What's up, YA? How are we doing? Good, good. Well, my name is Whitney, and for those of you guys that don't know me, rapid fire fun facts about me. I love puppies. I married my best friend and the love of my life. I have an allegiance to defending Taylor Swift's honor. I also can make really good impressions of our staff. Fun fact. And I have the best job in the world. So right up top, I kind of want to give a two-minute praise break to honor my team. Um, man, I work with some of the most talented people on the planet. And so, Char, you are a genius. Denver, yes. Give it up for Charlotte. <clears throat> Denver is blessed by your creative vision. And I mean, if you just watch that video, I mean, it makes you want to go rock climb or do something you've never done before, skydive. Um, all right, Connor, you lead people like I have never seen before. Man, you um, work so hard. And the way you lead our volunteers, they are blessed because of you. So it's an honor to work with you. And Doug and Jess, thank you so much for fighting privately and publicly to bring us a fresh word every Thursday night, and it is honestly, you guys are voices in the wilderness, and you're a call to our next season of life, and so Jess, wherever you are, I don't know where you are, thank you for giving me this opportunity to um, share what God has been stirring on my heart, and you, I do not take this moment lightly. If anything, we're going to have so much fun tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about to get lit. All right, so we are in this series called Better Than Vacation, and the whole plot of this series is stemming from the quote by St. Arrhenius, and it says, the glory of God is man fully alive, and this is proven all throughout scripture and quoted by Jesus himself in John 10.10, 10. and he said that I have come so that you can experience life, that we 2,000 years later can experience life and life to the full. Other versions say are in abundance. And just said perfectly last week that our lives are so much more than a party on the weekend or the next beach vacay. And trust me, I will be the first one to admit a beach vacay sounds nice every single day of the week. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> but as we talked about last week, there is a real enemy that is fully aware of the life that you were intended to experience. And he is hell-bent on sabotaging. And Jess brought the house down last week, did she not? And she gave us full permission to trash talk the enemy's lies that are intended to steal from you, to kill from you, and to destroy from you. And so tonight, I kind of want to shift our focus into a different enemy strategy, and it's of distraction, and I couldn't get this phrase off my heart, and it's this, it's wake up. Wake up, oh sleeper. Wake up, Christian. Because you see, there is a great number of us in here that are sleepwalking our way through life. That you are letting your 20s pass you by, waking up and going to sleep in what seems to be a perpetual fog. I remember this one time, I... Um, woke up late, and I was supposed to pick up my friend, and we um, were taking this collegiate class together. And the last thing you need when you're late is to walk outside with a foot of snow on your car. And not just a foot of snow, but like the, fl not the fluffy, 
like pretty stuff, like the ice that's like three inches deep. And so I turn my car on, my heater's broken, of course. I grab my ice scraper, and it's like hanging on by a thread. It literally looks like this, could you not? And so I'm like, great. So I start scraping nothing. Nothing is happening. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to guess and scrape a little hole so I can see out that will get me to my friend's house. Okay, so that's exactly what I do. I get in my car, and I'm like, oh, the hole is not here. It's up here. So I'm like, okay, I'm late. Forget this. So I'm like, pushing myself up, looking out of this, like, corner, and then driving with my right arm like a maniac. And so I finally get to my friend's house, and she comes out in, like, horror. There's, like, she's looking at me like, what are you doing? There, I had no vision in my wind, windshield, no vision on my mirrors or my rearview mirror, like, nothing. And so, like any good friend would do, she scrapes off my window, and then we get to class um, alive. And with a clear perspective. And so um, this is how a lot of us live, actually, with our lives. That um, we wake up, we barely make it to our destination because we can hardly see out of the window of our life. And we're the whole time hoping and expecting whatever is blocking your vision to disappear on the journey. And Paul knows exactly how this feels. In fact, he writes in in Ephesians 5.14, wake up. O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And this will be the crux of my message tonight. And then he cries out again in 2 Corinthians, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, O God, take this fog away. Give humanity a knowledge of the glory that lives within them. And Paul understood, and I want all of us to hopefully understand tonight, that God has destined human life for a greater purpose and a greater glory than you are currently living in. And so tonight I want to dig really deep into the word of God and uncover some truths about your life that um, by the end of this thing, man, you're going to walk out of here with the fog lifted and that you will live a life fully alive. So if you are taking notes tonight, I have titled this message, Awake, O Sleeper. Awake, O Sleeper. Will you guys pray with me? Um, God, thank you so much for every single person in here. God, we quiet ourselves before you. Jesus, that you have full reign to speak to us tonight. God, whatever um, you intend this night to be, Jesus, I pray that my words hit their target. God, that none of my words fall to the ground and that every word is glorifying to you, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I have a really embarrassing confession to make to you guys. So I have a serious addiction to an app on my phone, okay? And some of you guys know what I'm talking about, like the whole Candy Crush, like, fad went out. But this app is better than Candy Crush, okay? And it's called Panda Pop. So, (laughs) yes. So the whole point of Panda Pop is to pop these different bubbles to release these little baby pandas back to the mama panda, okay? And don't don't judge me. You're like, who gave this chick a microphone? It was Jessie. 
She gave me the microphone. Blame her. So anyway, so I became so obsessed playing this game. I'd wake up, play this game. Go to bed, play Panda Pop. Wake up again, play Panda Pop. I'd go to the gym and do my workouts around playing Panda Pop. It was Panda Pop pandemonium, I swear to God. And so it finally came to a head one day, and Conrad and I are getting in. We're very passionate people, and so we're getting into a passionate discussion. And he, he looks at me. I, I don't know what came over me. I literally pull my phone out, and I start playing Panda Pop. I, I couldn't help it. And so finally he's like, Dear Lord, Whitney, like, you have got to get help. Like, I'm trying to talk to you, and you are not listening to me. And so internally, I felt really convicted. But externally, I was like, no, I'm not going to lose this fight. So I, I lie, and I'm like, well, you know what, Conrad? Um, actually, there, it's statistically proven that if you exercise your mind, which is what I'm doing with Panda Pop, then you, you lower your chances of getting dementia and Alzheimer's. So really, you should be thanking me. That is literally what I said to him. And so he just rolls his eyes and is like, good Lord, I'm just going to pray and fast for you, sweet child. <laughs> and, so, and so we're finally in a staff meeting, and, uh, and Jess asks all of us the, this question. She goes, what is one thing that you want to work on this summer to make your personal life better? Okay, so everyone starts going around the circle, and Doug, being Doug, is like, um, yeah, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and come in here and pray for all of you guys, pray favor and blessing over your marriage. And I'm like, shut up, Doug. You're so annoying. <laughs> and then Connor, Connor goes after him, and he's like, oh, take this, Doug. I'm going to read the whole Bible in 24 hours. <laughs> And so now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, geez, I work with really competitive people. And then Jess goes and Jess is like, oh, guys, 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 I have, I have the cake. Um, I'm going to memorize the whole New Testament because this is just the season that I'm in. And I'm like, and so she looks over at me and she's like, go ahead, Whitney. What do you, what do you want to work on? And I, my heart is beating so fast. And I literally am like, whatever. I throw my hands up and I'm like, no more Panda Pop! <laughs> this actually happened, like I kid you not. And so my whole team starts busting out laughing. And I had this moment though, where I had this epiphany and I was like, oh my gosh, my husband was right. This game has stolen so much from my life. Like I have been so distracted by, um, playing Panda Pop, that I could have been taking opportunities and, and, and glorifying God with them, but I was so distracted. But then it started, so it started as Panda Pop, but then I started realizing there's all these other distractions in my life that I need to take care of. And this sounds so silly, but I believe tonight some of you guys need a no more Panda Pop moment. Say no more distraction. And so in, um, Jesus uses his words in John 10.10 10, um, to get the crowd to this no more panda pot moment. And, um, and you see, he, he starts and he says, the enemy is there to steal and to kill and to destroy from you. And, he, and he's saying the enemy, man, he's sneaky. That not always does his uh, plan involve pain or even an influx of lies or even a serious tragedy, but most of the time, I've, what I've noticed is his plan is a slow encroachment of distraction. 
I once heard a pastor say that, man, the enemy loves saved, quiet Christians. That he'll give you salvation, yes, but he does not want you to speak about it. And so how do you get a Christian quiet? You put a Christian in bondage. You trap them. You cloud their minds with things so insignificant that they make little to no difference in this world. They bring no hope or good news into his enemy, into the enemy camp. And you know who lives in an enemy camp? People, lives, souls that need to be touched and changed. And so I have this illustration um, did you guys remember doing uh, science projects in elementary school? For real? Did you guys not do science projects in elementary school? Oh my gosh. Okay, I destroyed science projects in elementary school. Okay, I have a picture of me in elementary school. Yeah, look. Praise God I peaked in my 20s, okay? <laughs> So I was that girl that had glasses and would, like, correct other kids in class, like, while they're doing their projects. So please, no one correct me while I'm doing my science project. I swear, I ask for forgiveness. Okay, so this right here is a Venus flytrap. And um, so what the Venus flytrap does is it will secrete this beautiful, sweet aroma from its traps and it will attract a whole bunch of bugs, specifically flies. And the fly will land on um, the trap and look around and start trying to suck up this sweet nectar. But get this, there is nothing there. It is just an aroma. And so what I found fascinating about this plant is that it will slowly close its jaws to not scare away its prey. And so tonight... Um, for the sake of this illustration, you and I are flies. I promise you have so much more value than a, than a fly, but we are flies nonetheless, okay? And so the enemy <laughs> will set out its traps for you and wait. And he will set up and he'll tempt you with these sweet nothings and say, oh, you know what? It's just one time. Oh, you know what? Post that picture. I'm trying to get you guys to see this. Um, oh, you know what? T hold a grudge against that person. Oh, you know what? Take advantage of, of them. They don't, they don't know. This is my favorite one. Oh, date that boy. Date that girl. She's hot. She's sexy. Okay. And slowly, let's do that again. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Come on. And now the enemy has you trapped. And what I found um, very interesting about this plant is that after it is done eating this bug, it will open back up and spit out the fly's exoskeleton. And so sometimes if you're honest with yourself, this is your story, <laughs> that you are stuck in the aftermath of sweet distraction that have wooed you into a life that was never meant for you to live. And you feel trapped in a life that seems mundane, it seems boring, it's frustrating, you're irritated, you're weary, you're tired all the time, you feel so busy, it feels like life just, you can't catch a break. And if you're honest with yourself, you start feeling like a shell of a person or an exoskeleton, if you will. 
And I see this happen all the time. And you start asking questions to yourself and to God. And you start asking, what, really? Is this all there is to life? Or is there more? Was this really why you created humanity? And you haven't even recognized that, man, the enemy has set a trap for you. Maybe it was years ago, and now you're just feeling the effects of it closing in on you, of life closing in on you. And and the enemy has you right where he wants you, in a desperate state, waiting for the next opportunity or the next vacation or the next escape, the next relationship, the next red conference. And so I want to ask you tonight, man, what in life is distracting you right now from the fullness of life? But there is hope for you tonight, oh sleeper. I got to thinking, okay, God, like this is the enemy's plan, and your plan is the opposite. So if the opposite of destruction is creation, and the opposite of slumber is to be fully awake, then the opposite of Satan's plan is always God's original intent for humanity. And so track with me for a second, because this blew my mind while I was preparing for this message. And so um, it takes a little bit to get there, but if you're with me, say you're with me. All right. So God in Genesis 1 gives life to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he blesses them. And listen to what he tells them. Genesis 1, 27. Be fruitful and multiply. Thank you, Jesus. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it, <clears throat> over the fish of the sea and over the, bir- the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit and you shall have them for food and every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And so God, from the first words spoken to our forefathers, he's saying that we have dominion over the earth, that you have authority to subdue the earth. And the word that they use here in Greek is kabosh, which means to bring into subjection or bondage. Did you know that earth was never meant to put you into bondage? That we were specifically created to on this planet to enjoy its resources and live in its creation and live in wander next to and make it better and keep it clean. So if the earth does not have any authority to bind you, the enemy has no authority to put you into bondage. And from the first commission out of the mouth of God Almighty is saying, you have more authority than you think you have. That I have given you everything to overcome this world. I have given you a mind so intricate that the left side of your brain can make calculated and logical decisions and the right side of your brain can artistically create and express like your creator. He has given you a heart that can keep your mind in balance, that you can feel empathy towards humanity like your God. He has given you Um, a body made of muscle and bone and skin to bear his image and he has given you a soul that is created to worship and the deepest innermost parts of your being can feel connected to the heavens all creation pales in comparison to you and so this is the coolest part 
of my research. And our God is so good. And so the Bible uses this Greek word che, C-H-A-Y here, in the, in the Old Testament. And this is our old covenant to describe life in the garden. And so this word was used by prophets to prophesy a life that was to come. This is what kings used to inspire the masses. This is what th- this word was used and um, outsiders envied, envied this word because this was the highest form of life. This was as abundant as it came. And Che means revived, alive, wide awake. And some of your, old, your favorite Old Testament Bible characters could only dream of a life like this and very seldomly come close. But then Jesus steps on the scene in John 10.10 10 and establishes our new covenant. And he uses the word zoe. And zoe is defined as a state of one who is possessed with vitality, the fullness of life, literally heaven on earth. In fact, John uses this word zoe in Revelation 21 describing new earth and new heaven. And this is what Jesus is saying is our hope as a Christian, but also it is attainable for those who are found in Christ. This is why Jesus came, to, yes, to pardon the sins of the world and to give the free gift of salvation, but to unleash a life the prophets didn't even have a word for that, that brought hope to the beggar and the tax collector and the prostitute that was sitting in that sermon 2,000 years ago, and to us, a life that we never thought was possible. In Ephesians 3.20, immeasurably more than we could ever ask, imagine, or dream of, think of, awake, O sleeper, a life fully alive. And so then I had um, this sobering thought. Why on earth are we not the happiest people on the planet? Full of expectancy, full of joy, full of life, full of patience and gentleness and self-control. And our team has been reading um, this book called Generation Z, and the author does a phenomenal job of describing what the next generation, so past millennials, Generation Z, thinks of Christianity. And here's what he says. Many of those outside the Christian faith think Christians no longer represent what Jesus had in mind, that Christianity in our society is not what it was meant to be, We're seen as hyper-political, out of touch, pushy in our beliefs, and arrogant. And the biggest perception of all are that we are homophobic, hypocritical, and judgmental. Simply put, in the minds of many people, modern-day Christianity no longer seems Christian. Um, And I read this, and my heart literally broke in half because I was researching literally what Jesus just prophesied and what I was going to bring to you guys tonight and, and Jesus is like, oh, you can portray this in society. And yet, we have Christians have accepted a cheapened version of the life that Jesus offered. We have accepted a Che version of life, that we are wide awake to the plans of God. And yet, we do not act as free people under our new covenant. We have accepted a Che version of life. And so this is the enemy's strategy to distract you. Let's get their minds so focused on lawmaking, on your past, living in strife with one another, posting horrifyingly divisive posts 
on social media, getting people so offended by the world being the world, building a platform for, your, for yourself, comparing your call to someone else's. And hear me, engaging with politics and hurting people and the world issues is noble to care about. In fact, we are, most, we are called to care about these things. But when you have lost hope, when you are so fixated on things of this earth and not of things eternal, you have missed it. And we are so easily distracted by what the enemy throws at us in life over what the life Jesus had promised. And 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So if distraction, if not caught, it will leave you bitter. It will leave you weary. It will leave you angry with the people that God is calling you to love. It will leave you afraid of the future instead of expectant. It will leave you numb to the news stories coming out every day of destruction when we should be fervently praying. It will leave you paralyzed to your fear. And the worst of all is that when you hear evil, your immediate response, and I'm with you guys, is to sit back. And, um... And the enemy has you trapped. Um, But it's time to awake, oh sleepers. Because Jesus, um, there's a world out there that, that needs you. And your call needs you to snap out of it. And John Eldred says it perfectly in Waking the Dead. How do we bring God glory when we are sulking around in the cellar, weighed down by shame and guilt, hiding our light under a bushel, Our destiny is to come fully alive, to live with ever-increasing glory. Your heart bears a glory, and your glory is needed now. This is our desperate hour. And you know what glory is? In the New Testament, all glory is, it just means weight. And so you carry a weight of God himself, the Holy Spirit. And our lives are the highest form of God's manifested glory. Do you understand that? This is amazing. He looked over the entire earth and made us, mere humans, out of dust, his indwelling. This is amazing. And C.S. Lewis says this. He says, to please God, not merely pitied, but delighted in, as an artist delights in his work, or a father in a son, it seems impossible, a weight or a burden of glory, which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But so it is. Um, so a few um, months ago in January, my husband and I took a vacation to Mexico with his family. And um, around this time, it was actually the humpback whale mating season. And so we decided, we're like, we're going to go take a boat tour and watch these whales. And so we t- take off offshore, and we're in this vast ocean. And there's not, you couldn't even see the shore. And all of a sudden, like a dozen a pod of these humpback whales surface, and there's like little babies, and I was, I felt so small in this moment, but so loved, and I remember thinking, I was like, God, it'd be so cool to see one of these breach, and almost immediately as I thought that, off in the distance, like really far off in the distance, one just breaches, and I was like, 
oh my gosh, this is all my Murbane dreams coming true in this moment. This is so great, God, thank you. And so we take off towards that. Our, our, our tour guide takes off, and we get close, and he was done breaching at this point, but he was slapping his um, fin on the waves, um, and it was beautiful, and it was magical. And I thought in that moment, I was like, God, wow, like surely your glory dwells within this animal. And it wasn't until I started preparing for this message that God was like, no, Whitney, that is my creation. And you are meant to stand in awe and amazement of my creativity. But my glory resides in you. And I don't know about you, but this frees me up to be who God meant me to be, to be who God meant you to be, not some cheapened version, not the old version, not our old covenant, not the version you saw on Instagram last night that you wish you were, but the life that Christ died for you to experience, the life that Christ bled out for you to have. And um, Ben, you guys can come back out here. Um, and you might be in here right now thinking, like, okay, Whitney, like, thank you. This sounds way too good to be true. This is exactly what I thought of Christianity. Um, and can I tell you tonight that, um, yes, <laughs> it is everything that I just described, but it comes at a cost. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, 14, and I've always heard this verse in the context of salvation, but it works so perfectly in this context. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. So he's saying that it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to fall into an enemy trap. But then he says, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to what? Zoe that leads to life, and only a few find it. So how do we find this life, Jesus? How do we find a life that Christ prophesied that we would have, that we could attain? And remember what I said at the beginning. Paul writes, wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And you see, Paul has enough wherewithal to understand that this life is a mist. It is here today and gone tomorrow. But then look what he says. He says, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. And I don't think that's shocking to any one of you guys. Just turn on the news. It's a repetitive cycle of ISIS and terrorism and racism and abuse and the refugee crisis and anxiety and depression and mass killings. And this is Satan's wicked plan to get Christians so afraid to subdue culture, to get Christians so worried about the next election, to get Christians so angry they lash out with no discernment, to get Christians so anxious to speak the truth on college campuses to get Christians so distracted by a world that's broken and fallen and hurting that we fall into a deep slumber. And Paul says it's simple. To awake, you need to look at how you walk because it matters. 
make the best use of the time. And then the King James Version says this. It says, redeem the times. And so, layman's terms, make the most of every opportunity for Jesus. And every single day matters. Every breath you take matters. Every relationship in your life matters. That's why David writes in Psalm 90, oh God, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And Carl Lentz says this, it's so perfect. He says, if you are in Christ, no day is ordinary. If you are in Christ, no day is ordinary. And some of you guys need to write this on your mirrors every morning. I might feel ordinary, but no day is ordinary if I am in Christ Jesus. Amen. So um, this is my last story. I have a friend that has dedicated his life to serving the different projects um, around and the gang-affected areas around L.A. And I had reached out to him, and I said, man, what do you wish Christians knew about um, themselves and about the glory that lives within them? And he said this, and he said, stop dreaming, a.k.a. awake, O sleeper, and start doing If we wait till the perfect scenario is developed, we will never start, and many lives will not be impacted. Stop comparing, dreaming, and waiting. Start engaging, loving, and serving. Embrace inconvenience. Embrace rejection, even though not fun. And recognize that the most divine scenarios come at the most inconvenient times. Redeem the times, young adults. Don't wait. The days are evil and the world desperately needs you not to be bound by distraction, but to be fully alive, engaging with every single moment, every opportunity, making the most of every relationship for Jesus. And this is the secret to living a full life. I wish there was a shortcut, but there's not. Every day matters. And so I'm going to close with this. Um, I actually had three different closings, and I was like, oh, my gosh, how do you want to end this, Jesus? And I felt so strongly God say, man, you need to speak the word of God over people. And so I felt there are some of you guys in here that are so bogged down with discouragement. And so don't be afraid in this moment. So if you are in here and you are distracted by feelings of burnout in your job, on your school, in your life, with your relationships, with your dad, Awake, oh sleeper. Can you please stand to your feet? You're not going to be alone in in two seconds. Okay, if you are in here and you are distracted by insecurity that has started to control your life, man, stand up, awake, oh sleeper. If you are in here and you are distracted by fear, you're walking through a storm, awake, oh sleeper, stand to your feet right now. If you are distracted by anger, Awake, O sleeper, stand to your feet. If you are in here and you're distracted by unforgiveness, awake, O sleeper, stand to your feet right now. If you are in here and you are distracted by success and the love of money, man, awake, O sleeper, we need you desperately. Stand to your feet. If you are in here and you are distracted by feelings of shame and guilt, man, awake, O sleeper, and stand to your feet. And this is the last one. If you are in here, and you are distracted by your failures of your past. Man, awake, oh sleeper, and stand to your feet. And if there's anyone else here sitting down, please stand up and join them. And I'm believing in this moment that no more can say in cloud your line of vision. 
And we are going to set our minds on things above. And so I'm going to declare this over your life. Um, It's Romans 8, and it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for you guys. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And only creation... And not only creation, but ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For this is the hope we were saved. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we know that for those who who love God, all things, all things, young and old, work together for those who are called according to His purpose. What then shall we say? To these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, he will not also graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It who who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us, who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or whatever else you're going through. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that either death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things of this present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. So will you lift up your voice and sing? We're about to worship.